Hi, everybody. I'm Rick Nelson, and welcome to PSYCOP Talks Winter Ops, the podcast devoted to all things winter maintenance. The Snow and Ice Cooperative Program, or PSYCOP for short, is one of AASHTO's technical service programs. One of our primary objectives is to share information about winter maintenance, operations, and road weather. Now, one of the things that's really come to light as we ramp up operations after the pandemic is a shortage of workers interested in careers in transportation and specifically highway maintenance. On this episode, we've got a couple of great guests who are dedicated to giving youngsters a taste of the science and technology that we use every day at transportation agencies and public works departments. Julia Smith manages another of AASHTO's technical service programs called Track and Rides. Hi, Julia. Hi, Rick. And also with us is Sue Bowergen, Director of the Highway Maintenance Program at Front Range College. Hi, Sue. Hi, Rick. Hi, Julia. You know, exposing kids and young adults to the science and concepts that we use in the transportation and and maintenance business every day is vital to piquing their interest. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Definitely so. You know, I I suspect that most everybody listening has in their has their own story about how they got where they are today and and what started them on that particular career trajectory. And I suspect the the major the the, the majority of of instances it's some experience that we had growing up. I I agree with you, Rick. So there's two programs, right? There's the the track program and there's the the rides program, and and one of them set up for K through eight, and the other one takes them all the way to to uh, a senior in high school. Starting off with the rides is actually an acronym for Roadways into Developing Elementary Students. Um, this is an educational outreach program designed to interest K through eight students in transportation careers while improving science, technology, engineering, and math, which is also known as STEM. Students utilize critical thinking skills to solve real-world problems and learn about careers in the transportation industry, especially in civil engineering. And we feel that it's very important to try to grasp those concepts in kindergarten through eighth grade to lead them into pathways um, through high school and then on into college. A track program stands for transportation and civil engineering, and due to the expected growth in retirements and turnover in transportation industry, um, that is why Ashto put together these programs. So, how does the ride program work? How, how, so, you've given us the rundown, right? <laughs> yes. Now, tell us how does how okay. does the how do the two programs work? Okay, so with the rides program, um, the the teachers come in and they're trained with this huge trunk of activities and curriculum that's already married to the national standards and they do simple activities such as ice cream activity where they learn about endothermic and exothermic principles how salt is used to lower the freezing point and um, how this salt must dissolve into its ions the sodium and chloride in order to work effectively and the benefit from this lesson, they have a worksheet that they work through, and then they get to actually do the experiment themselves and make the ice cream and see the, the frost. We call it making it snowing in July, uh, but seeing the frost falling from the bags. And it's just a great activity for the students to do and understand those principal concepts. If I was a DOT person and I wanted to get some youngsters in my community exposed to this, is the, is the touch point the the education system or is it through the DOT or how does that work? 
That's a very good question, Rick. We actually work um, with the Department of Transportation for a point of contact, and that person is the liaison or the champion for the state. And they contact teachers from different districts or get the school districts involved to send teachers to the trainings. Um, there are different monies that are provided for educational outreach and on-the-job training that the Department of Transportation can use to purchase these modules and provide to the teachers. And then we come in and train the teachers how to use these in the classroom. So basically, the teacher becomes the student in doing the activities right alongside the other teachers and building that community within the training and they see the value because this is how their students will be learning these activities. And they um, get to work in groups. They learn about teamwork and how important that is. Um, they, they're learning the concepts. They're having fun because our typical workshop is two days long. But we do evaluations every once in a while to see how we can improve what we're doing. And most the most requested activity or the most requested thing that we have is that the workshops last longer than two days. And in professional development with teachers, you don't get that very much. <laughs> what are some of the activities that they do in, in the K through eight range? You know, you talked about the ice cream uh, activity. That right. sounds pretty cool. That's that's right up maintenance's alley. Um, what, what are some of the other things you do? We have a whole a book that is just full of activities, but I did pull some out to talk about today. And one is the ice cream activity. Um, classifying vehicles where they do a road study and collect data and graph the data. Um, slippery when wet activity. They're looking at the friction lab. They use a toy car and um, different um, materials such as sandpaper to represent asphalt, pea gravel, sand, oil, and water to create different road conditions and see mm -hmm. what the behavior of the vehicle is with those different types of um, conditions. Um, they focus on the material and weather conditions and road conditions. Mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite activities is Eat a Rock. Eat a um, rock. And that's the name of it. Yes. Um, and it's where you take different types of materials like chocolate chips and white chocolate chips and graham crackers. And they represent the dirt and limestone and sand and minerals. And you form a rock. You just melt it and form it together. And then the kids get to eat this, and but they see the composite and how the ingredients for concrete or asphalt, how that is so important, and the proportions are right, because if you put too many graham crackers in there, it's going to crumble. Road signs, there's a whole science behind road signs and geom geometric shapes and how those geometric shapes are used and what they mean. Um, you know, when we take our driving test, we have to study that manual to know that what an octagon and what the, the hazard roads, the triangles and things like that. Well, students need to understand that. And it's a great way to introduce geometry to those elementary kids. I, I like the food theme that goes through this, <laughs> this whole thing. I like the, the chocolate chips, the, the, the graham crackers. I like that part. And Kids love that too. You know, activities like that where they get to eat and play with food, you know, because mostly they're taught, don't play with your food. Well, this <laughs> is where you get to play with your food and learn the concepts behind it and get to eat it and have a lot of fun. Let me ask you this, Julia. Um, yeah. Is when, when you first, when you first bring the, the teachers, right? The, the, the teachers that are going to be presenting these modules and things in, um, What's their attitude when when they're like first exposed to this versus when when they're done when they've completed these activities is is there like um, 
uh, a change in, in attitude that happens th- for, the, for the teacher's point of view? Yes, definitely. And I'm so glad you asked that question. Um, typically, when a teacher hears they've got to go to a two-day workshop, they're just like, oh, my goodness. So they bring their laptops, their cell phones, their iPads, every electronic device that they can think of to entertain themselves during this because they're expecting a lecture. And so one of the first things that the trainers do, we give, of course, our introduction and then we ask them, "Okay, please close your cell phones. Please close your laptops. You know, you're going to be participating in this. You need room on your desktop so that you can do these activities. Well, we may get a, you know, an eye roll or something every once in a while from that, having to put their things away. But eventually, everybody is all into these activities. It's full hands on it. They're creating it. They're doing the activity. And then they're pulling from their curriculum how they can use it in the class because the trainers stop at the end of the activity and ask, okay, how can you use this? What kind of science can you pull out of this? And so it's a great group discussion with the teacher saying, oh, I can use this to cover this standard and this standard, and then I can use it for this. So it becomes a community involvement of how the teachers are coordinating basically how they're going to use this in their classrooms. So by the end of day one, they're super excited to come back. Um, and then day two, like I said, when we do those evaluations, they're like, can, can you do a three and four day training on this? Because we absolutely love this. We want to come back. And in a lot of the states, spread by word of mouth. Um, I know we have some states, there's a waiting list to get into a rides training and also with our track trainings as well. Um, But the rides training is fast paced. It's a lot of fun. And even when we're doing a track and a rides training together, um, a lot of the track people are like, what are they doing in there? They sound like they're having fun. They're not really at a workshop. (laughs) As you were talking about some of these modules, it was like, what a, what an interesting way for kids to think about things that they see in real life, right? I mean, the whole friction thing, it's like next snowstorm, you know, it's like they're going to, they're going to get it, right? It's not just something that happens. It's it's like you start understanding the process. So when you go to the track program, now you're talking eight through 12. Correct. Well, seven through 12. Or seven through 12. So I I suspect the the activities get a a lot more uh, science-y, right? They're a little bit more directed um, because we have eight different modules. And depending on which module you're looking at, it's more directed to uh, those specific details. Um, So, for instance, uh, programming stoplights. There's an activity in one of the modules to program stoplights. With our environmental module, um, laying out uh, civil engineering, surveying, programming, where uh, students look at air pollution, water pollution, noise pollution, habitat loss, um, going into the bridge modules, the students are exposed to construction and structural concepts. Now, that's the one control. everybody knows about. The, the bridge oh, yes. module is the one everybody knows about, right? You build a bridge and then you load it until it fails. Definitely so because of the National Bridge Building Competition. So this is definitely our most popular module that we have. And we have a couple of others that are up up and coming. And we have some that are in development that I'm excited to talk about in just a little bit. Um, But the bridge building is is wonderful. They understand uh, building forms 
bridge analysis, structural forces. Um, they are exposed to professional softwares that um, the Department of Transportation uses. And modeling software uh, is, is a really fun one. Um, we have a connected and automated vehicle that exposes to autonomous vehicles, troubleshooting, uh, road designs, transportation ecosystems, infrastructure and supporting an existing and new technologies, programming and coding, and safety issues involved with those autonomous vehicles. Then we also have a safety module. Um, talks about our students are exposed to traffic management, road improvements, curve design and importance thereof, mathematically approaching curve designs, roadway planning scenarios, uh, how to get from point A to point B through an existing city, and how you would go about um, purchasing land and relocating things, studying the environment, seeing what all's involved with trying to put those roadways through. We're looking at having a connected and automated competition in the near future where we've got it in the pilot program right now for this coming year, but hopefully by 2024, we'll have all the bugs and kinks worked out of it and be able to introduce that to a national competition as well. So, Sue, I, I have a question for you. You've, you've been listening to a lot of these these different these programs and things, and you know your program actually takes it it makes that transition, right? It, it it goes from okay, here's a high school student or or someone in in you know K through twelve, and your program takes them right into working in the DOT. Tell us about tell us about that transition, and I'd be kind of curious as what you think about some of these modules that Julia's talked about and how that plays into you know your program and 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 how you take it to the next step. Yeah, well, it's very exciting to hear the things that Julie is talking about there because I think that is all the future of transportation right there. And these kids that she's talking to it, you know, all these things about are the people that are going to make this stuff happen. Um, so I think it's awesome that at the younger age, you know, K, K through six or eight, you're getting them thinking about roads, right? Because when I go out and I talk about our program out there, one of the first things I ask people, especially when I talk about our high school program, is how many of them actually got into that, the maintenance business intentionally? And almost all of them, nobody does, right? It's almost completely by accident that they find themselves doing uh, transportation operations work, right? Maintenance mm -hmm. work. It's just not something people graduate from high school and say, oh, I'm going to go work in a DOT or a public works facility. They just don't. It's it's usually a, a, a strange path that's led them there. Mm -hmm. So I love it that um, that you're getting them thinking about it. And then they can, maybe some of them are not college track students, right? You're getting, you're talking about it. You're introducing the idea. You're showing them the, the concepts of road work and all of the things that go with it. And I, I love that. But not all of them are going to want to go off and become engineers or, you know, planners or transportation traffic folks or any of that. So for them, we've got this side of it. And this is a chance for them to actually enter the business intentionally, right? <laughs> to get some to get some knowledge and go in, uh, you know, a with a little more than anybody that's out there entering the field right now, which is good for the folks that are hiring. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, our, our high school program takes what you're doing and offers the, the trade side of it, I guess, if you want to put it that way, rather than the engineering side of it to students, to non-traditional, um, non-college track students, I guess is what I want to say. You, you know, 
So I was I was in the highway business for for quite a while, and and I have a lot of friends that that are in highway maintenance. And you know, it's like you talk to them and you say, "Well, how, why did you choose?" It's like, "Well, I like I like being outdoors." You know, I like working outdoors. I like working with my hands. I like seeing things get built. You know, the the, the whole engineering technician series, um, and and I think, you know, like like you say, Sue, that maybe maybe you don't start out saying, "Oh, I want a career in highway maintenance," but when you when you look at the things that you like to do and the things that you're good at, it's like, hey, that's where I can I can do those kinds of things, and and making that introduction I think is really important to that. Right. Once you see that you have a skill that's useful in that industry, I think that's what draws people in. And that's kind of how people got there. You know, maybe they had a, a CDL or maybe they had a class A license back in the day or whatever, or they, they could, you know, set concrete or, you know, build basins or whatever. Maybe they had some mason skills or something like that. And that led them there. And, and, you know, they stayed because these are good jobs. And, you know, once people find out about it, they discover that you can have a good career doing this work and it can, you can earn a living wage and, and do really well. And there's lots of opportunity. Yeah. Now, so Sue, tell us about that high, tell us about this high school program that, that you've got going on. Yeah. All right. So our high school program is completely connected to our degree program in many different ways. It's a three-part program and we, right now we had, we piloted it last spring, uh, last January, we started it with, uh, we started with four high school students and we ended up with two that actually completed it. Um, so it's three parts. The students do the first two weeks on taking an online OSHA 10 course. So before we do anything in the industry, I want them to know what the hazards are going to be that they'll be exposed to, how to stay safe from all of that, you know, and, and so we're doing the whole high school program in real time remote. So I don't know if, if over the last few years, you've probably become familiar with real time remote. It's, it's just like this. It's a Zoom class, basically. We mm-hmm. meet twice a week and for 50 minutes each, each time. Um, and the first two weeks is that to that, um, OSHA 10. I pull out the important pieces of that. I talk about PPE. I talk about slip strips and falls, working around heavy equipment. I pull out the big, the big um, important ones, and then the students behind the scenes or during the week go through and complete the rest of it on their own. So that by week three, they're starting with an OSHA 10 card, right? Indus- uh, nationally recognized certification that they can take anywhere. Mm-hmm. The second part is 13 weeks of our revised Highway 101 course, the exact same competencies that we're giving our degree students, except our degree students come to the course with experience. They're all working in the industry right now, and they bring all that experience. So we rework the course to draw the, the, the answers and the learning out of the materials we're giving them rather than pulling it out of the experience of the, of the room. But at week three, the degree students and the high school students are running parallel. So they're at exactly the same point in the, in the 101 course. So when, when I meet with them twice a week, I'm taking what the degree students are sharing as their experience, the photographs they're giving me, the stories they're telling, and I'm giving that to the, so they never meet, the degree students never uh-huh. meet the highway students, but they get the same, um, I'm sharing their experiences with, with each other. Okay. Um, and so far that that's working pretty good. And the third piece of it is once they graduate, so after they finish our 101 course, they go right into an internship in a local facility. Now we're piggybacking on most of their summer worker or temporary worker programs that they have that usually start sometime in the summer. Mm-hmm. And we can start this anytime. It's entirely flexible, but that's the way it's working right now. 
So the students go right to work right away with paid internships. Um, they've got their OSHA 10 card, so they're qualified to be out there. They've got a lot more knowledge than anyone else that these maintenance facilities are hiring right now, because right now they're getting the pizza delivery guy or the Amazon guy or whoever, right? right? Um, they're not getting anyone that knows anything about asset management, road preservation, traffic control, or, or, or safety about how to, how to be safe working on a highway. So they're getting students, young, youthful students. And I think that's interesting as well. The other part of it is these folks, these kids that take these jobs are local. And um, I'm not sure where you folks are located in the country right now, but out here in the Denver metro, northern Colorado area, um, people that do this work are priced out of the housing market. So if these mm-hmm. kids already live, and I don't know how their parents are going to feel about this, but if these kids are already <laughs> living locally, right, if they already have housing locally and they can take these jobs, it's a win-win for everyone. Um, this is for kids typically who are not college bound, mm-hmm. but the, um, so they, they want jobs. They want to come out of school and they want to get a job that pays. They don't want to be working in McDonald's usually, not that that's right. bad, but they want something different. So after week, I think at, at like week six, we did tours. We started taking the kids out into facilities, right? Some We have five internship providers in Northern Colorado that we're working with, and two of them provided tours for our, our students to go through. We went out and we saw a gravel road operation that was absolutely amazing way out in, um, in a, a far part of Northern Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, the students got to see the kinds of jobs they would be doing, the equipment they would be able to operate, some of the the tasks that they would be um, given to do and in some of the most incredible places that you could ever want to work. I mean, when you're, right. when your office is in the middle of the Rocky mountains, it just doesn't get any better than that. So it, so this program, this pilot that you're running is, is specific to Colorado, but a lot no, of not, it, well, well it but, is. but a lot of it's online, right? It's all so online. It, is it could all be online. anywhere. I guess the point is, is it could be anywhere, right? We've already marketed it to parts of Ohio who are very interested right now. And it's all over Colorado. I think I have five different school districts that are are looking for MOUs or want to start um, the process of getting this going. So um, initially, when we thought about doing this, we thought that the, prob- the, the limiting factor would be getting the internships out for the students, no matter where they were. And as I've traveled around the country these last few weeks and months um, and talked about this, that is not the problem. Every single facility out there has vacancies and all of them are just looking, uh, they're dying for a candidate pool. They don't have mm-hmm. one. They've got vacancies that they've had for years and they get no candidates that want these jobs. So if we can help with that, if we can create a pipeline right out of the high school for these kids who may or may not know what they want to do forever, but here's a, here's a place to start. Right. I agree with that, Sue. Uh, It's so important. It's exposure. And these students typically only know what their parents do. And if, if they don't know anybody that's in a department of transportation or anybody that is involved in transportation fields and careers, they don't know about these jobs. And that's, that's totally what our program does and is trying to do is introduce all these different careers to these students, not necessarily saying, okay, you have to be a civil engineer. Look at all these other jobs that are in the transportation field that are available and things that you can do. So your program is wonderful. Yeah, thanks. We're, we're pretty excited about it. The other piece of it, though, and, and I think this is interesting, um, 
the students for the first, when we went out on those tours, they could actually see themselves doing some of this work. One of our, our, our providers um, has automated flag flagging devices and the kids got to see how those are. They, they're like video games, right? They get to play with the joystick. They're sitting in a truck somewhere operating the arms and the traffic's moving back around. So, I mean, they got to see a, a whole different side, like all, all the people out there think they know what we do. But none of them really understand, like you said, you know, what's actually happening. So they got to see a little bit of the behind the scenes stuff. They also were exposed to a lot of the knowledge that goes with the job that they didn't expect. But when they got behind the scenes and they got to see what was actually happening, like, how do you make a sign? We went right into a sign shop and they got Mm -hmm. to see how to put the MUTC to to work and create a sign that was legal and, you know, going to serve the client, right? Um, how do you, how do you set up a work zone? So they got to actually go out and see those things happening and put themselves in some of these jobs that they had never even considered, never even knew about. So you're right. Give, giving them the information that these jobs are out there and available um, is really the biggest piece of this. Uh, it's not the internships. It's the, getting internships is not a problem. It's reaching the students and sharing the information. If somebody out there listening in wants to get more information about this, you know, you, you mentioned you're branching out into Ohio. Um, how, how should they, how should they proceed? How should, what, what should they do? To get information about it would be just to contact me. They can, I'm, I'm it right now. I'm a one man show. <laughs> so they can get a hold of me at Front Range Community College, get a hold of me. And right now we are, we're, we're anywhere. We're anywhere that wants to do this. We've, we are talking about MOUs out in parts of Ohio. I've been speaking with uh, folks in Vermont as well as um, all over Colorado. And, mm-hmm. and because the need is so great, people are, uh, first of all, they're, they're like shocked that this is even out there. Right. And, um, and then when I, when I tell them that the work is really going to be mostly on my end of it, you just send me the students. <laughs> They're like, okay, sign <laughs> it, me up. It's even better, right? <laughs> right. And to take it one step further, not to complicate things too much, but we are also, because we're getting such a huge response from the high school program, we decided that as soon as we get that, now that we've piloted it, and as soon as our internships are over, we're going to bundle it as a, as a, as a workforce development package a product to put out on uh, non-credit, but completely aligned with our program so that we mm-hmm. can still award that credit later. Uh, but we'll put that out and market it to um, workforce development groups or across the country, um, halfway houses, prison systems, people, anywhere that they're putting people to work. Mm-hmm. And we can um, give them this for, as an opportunity, as long as the internship provider can, um, you know, as long as they qualify for internships. Yeah. I don't know what yeah, the background that, that connection checks has to be made. Be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sue, could this work through a career in tech uh, school? Absolutely. It could work anywhere. Okay. Anywhere. Because yep. I could see a career in tech program to easily incorporate this in, in one of their work study type programs and be able to um, provide that, you know, to their whole district. Yep. We are working with entire school districts all over Colorado right now. Yep. Excellent. Yeah. Julia, how do folks get the track and ride program fired up in their state? Well, uh, like I said in the previously, I work with uh, the Department of Transportation. I usually have a point of contact within the Department of Transportation. But if you are not sure if you have it in your state, you can feel free to contact me and I can look up who that point of contact is for the state. And if we don't have one, then we can find one. 
Okay. So what what I'll do in the show notes is we'll have websites, we'll have email addresses, and the invitation is out there to get in touch with y'all and learn more about the programs and maybe get them fired up. Absolutely. Wonderful. That sounds wonderful. And thank you for the opportunity to come here and speak about our programs. We definitely appreciate this opportunity. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Rick. Well, and I want to thank I want to thank you, uh, Julia and Sue, for for taking the time to fill us in on these programs. I, I think it's just it's just super exciting. You know, I, I think if anything, it gives them a different way to look at the world around them, particularly when they're in a vehicle, because they're going to spend a lot of time in a car throughout the, the course of their life. And to understand how all that stuff works in the background, I, I think is is really amazing. Of course, as an engineer, that's you know I get excited about that stuff. Not everybody does, but. It's funny that you mentioned that about uh, students seeing it in a different perspective. That's one of the things that uh, our students that go through the bridge building competition, when they talk about the experience of the, the competition and the whole project, they say, I never thought about a bridge that way. When I look at a bridge now, I see it in a whole different perspective. I'm analyzing it. I'm looking at the angles. Yeah. I'm looking at the material and how it's built and what it spans and how it's spanned. And so it gives them a whole new insight and appreciation for a design and engineering and the whole concept of, of transportation. Yep. It, it's, it's uh, you know, that, that whole difference of perspective. Sometimes it can be a curse, right? When, when you're, when you're <laughs> not looking at things from just the aesthetic point of view, right? But it's like, you think of everything as a force vector, you know, it's like. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, again, Julia, Sue, thanks for uh, taking the time this morning, filling us in on your program. I really appreciate it. I, I think there's a lot of information in here for, for folks to think about and, and to uh, follow up on. Thank thanks you so Rick. much. Now, if you want to learn more about these programs and, and how you can take advantage of them, check out the websites listed in the show notes below or send Julia or Sue an email directly. As always, if there's a topic you'd like more information on, or if you have someone you know that has an interesting story, send me an email at rnelson at ashto.org, and we'll do our best to make it happen. Psychop Talks Winter Ops is available on all the major podcast content providers, just about any place you go for your podcasts. Give us a like and subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. In addition, you can find episodes on our Facebook page at Ashto Psychop and on our website, psychop.transportation.org. Support for Psychop comes from state DOTs who make an annual contribution of $4,000. It's because of those states that Psychop Talks Winter Ops and all the other resources to help you achieve your winter maintenance mission are possible. Until next time, thanks for listening in and stay safe out there. <laughs>